This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Programme. No matter how much they try it, oh, no matter how much they try to drive that wedge between us and divide us, tear us apart as a nation, ha ha ha! It's not working. That's some of the good news, and i've I've got some I've got some proof for that. I'll explain coming up. Justin Barkley in for Glenn Beck today on the Glenn Beck program. Do you remember this commercial from the seventies? What's your favorite sport? Baseball. Sandwich. Hot dog. Apple. And what's your favorite car, America? Chevrolet. You see, that's baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, huh? Right. Well, you sure sound like America to me. We are. Well, then you better tell me again, because I just might forget. We love baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Now, I know it's superficial, the baseball, the hot dogs, the apple pie, yeah, even the Chevrolet. Uh, but you know, there's a little bit of nostalgia to that. Just watching that, thinking about it, all those things were uniting. All of those things were were pieces of the culture that we could gather around, that we could somehow find a way to rally around. Because it doesn't matter, you know, who you who you identify as. It doesn't matter what you think you are today. It doesn't matter uh, the color of your skin or what church you go to. We could all rally around our favorite baseball team watching America's pastime. We could all enjoy some sort of grilled product, I would think. If it's not a hot dog, you'd still throw some sort of meat on the grill. And nowadays, we can't even do that. It's got to be maybe a plant-based meat. Let's throw a plant-based meat on the barbecue. (sighs) It doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? But, you know, even even things like that are, are uniquely designed to divide us these days. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Even in the commercials. Even in the advertising, Madison Avenue and the rest of them spent millions putting all that together to sell some cars. How do they sell cars now? Oh, boy. You and I both know. Look at the commercials. Now, here is, here's why I think they're not successful. And this is where I think the good news is. I started this show off by saying... Boy, I heard there was a shortage of fireworks this year. Just like the other shortages. Now, some of these shortages are real, and some of them, I think, are a little artificial. But we have issues in the supply chain for all kinds of reasons. It's true, not just the inflation, but, of course, we've got the issues with trying to even find folks if to work. A lot of them in, in many states. It's like states like mine, blue states like Michigan, 
Well, they're being paid to sit at home. Of course, they're not going to go back to work. Why would you do that? Summertime? Go back to work now? No. And of course, then when the kids are back in school, yeah, I don't know if I could do that either. If I'm still being paid, it's probably I'd probably need to stay home, you know, because the kids are going to need help with their homework. You get the point. <laughs> but, you know, there are issues. While there are issues, I don't know that the fireworks were real or not, because I'll tell you, last night I heard more. And I certainly heard plenty on, on Saturday, but I heard more last night than I heard Saturday. And if I recall, last year was very similar. Because we were told last year to stay home and to hunker down and to shelter in place and to not leave. Oh, my goodness. Uh, by the way, over the weekend, Biden tweeted or somebody tweeted for him because, thank God, you, you went from a president who owned Twitter to a president who, who doesn't even know what a Twitter is. I mean, this guy doesn't. I don't think he's putting his own sentences together, let alone tweeting them on Twitter um, on the toilet at 4 a.m. I, 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 what I'm saying is I, I don't know what Biden's doing, and I don't think he does even, but uh, yesterday or, or over the weekend, um, it was tweeted on his account, let's put it that way, that the most patriotic thing that we can do as Americans is to go get the jab, if we haven't already done that. And boy, oh boy, when you, when you know it, there's another thing that's being used right now to divide us. Last year, they used all kinds of interesting tactics. Our governor here in Michigan, she used masks to divide us. And as they started to roll the language out, I thought to myself, you know, gotta be careful with this. Early on, the guy caught it. I said, you, you gotta be, cause she was telling people to go out and confront each other. Okay, so which is it? Are we supposed to stay six feet away from each other? Or are we supposed to go up to each other in our personal space and confront each other? She told people to confront each other and people died because of it. I think there were a couple of people shot at a dollar store over an argument over masks. And in fact, I think one man stabbed some people waiting in line at an ice cream shop. While another one, uh, I think that man uh, eventually fled, police caught up with him and shot and killed him. People died because of this division. So as I mentioned it, and I do believe it's good news, last night, I didn't see or hear any issues with division. Not this weekend. I saw a country more united, I think, than almost any time uh, in the nation's history. Because the truth is, every single one of us, I think, want very much, at least pretty similar, very much the same thing. We want to come together with our family. We want to celebrate holidays like the 4th of July. But slowly, oh, and surely, just like you would turn the Titanic, they are trying to turn this nation. And I think it's something that we should be aware of, just like everything else. I think it's wise, it's prudent to know what's going on. But I think you ought to know the good news too. And the good news is, they haven't turned all of us. And there were millions last night that weren't. They weren't turned. 
There were millions over the weekend. They weren't turned. So when I when I play this audio from this commercial, the baseball, the apple pie, you know. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. That's baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. Baseball and hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. That's a little slice of Americana right there from the 70s. I play that commercial and I think about the stark contrast and the difference between the commercials we see on television now. And I'm telling you, it's my gut instinct. I just know for a fact. And I think you you would probably feel the same way. If we saw those kind of commercials today, those products would fly off the shelves. In fact, we do see those type of advertisements and commercials for certain products. Certain niche industries. Certainly things like my pillow and you, you know you you know the the advertisers because they they advertise right here on this program and they support these programs but what if what if you know the car manufacturers and all the other companies out there what if instead of advertising how woke they are to us and signaling how virtuous they are to us in every single commercial and really, in a, in, a, in a sense, trying to, to drive us apart. What if they, tr- well, I don't know, what if they tried to wrap everybody up in their arms and unite us together, maybe under that flag? I tell you, I, I, I think they would see a stunning return to those products in a response because of the fact that it would just resonate with so many different Americans. These things are deeply embedded. They're ingrained in who we are. And although they're trying to turn us, they're not winning. They aren't winning. Even though the New York Times... (laughs) is now suggesting that the the flag itself is problematic. The flag itself. They're getting hit back. Today, flying the American flag, this is from the Times, from the back of a pickup truck or even a lawn is increasingly seen as a clue, albeit an imperfect one, to a person's political affiliation in a deeply divided nation. You know, I, I often said, like, I, I, I don't know. It's pretty clear. If, 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 you, if you have a flag outside your house, I probably know who you voted for. You don't need uh, a lawn sign. <laughs> I probably know how you voted, at least. Although they're drawing the connection into a disturbingly divisive place. They say a person's political affiliation in a deeply divided nation can't be ascertained by that flag. They say deeply divided nation, but see, I see it differently. We keep being told that we're deeply divided. We keep being told that we're the problem. 
I just don't think that's the case. I think why they really don't want us getting together, and they, they didn't through the last year, but especially for holidays like the 4th of July, is because when you do, you turn off the TV. You step out of your bubble. You join in towns and cities all across this country with your neighbors for fireworks celebrations, big displays right next to each other. Regardless of CDC guidance, standing next to one another, having conversations with a hot dog in one hand and a cold drink in the other. Talking to your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, the people who make up this country. They're just other folks like you and me. The millions of us who just want the same thing. A better life for our children than the one we had before us. The freedom to do so. Get government out of all the rest of the stuff that, you know, that, that causes problems. Just let me go to work. Just let me live my life. Just let me enjoy the little bit of free time I have with my family. But we're constantly being pulled into political fights. We're constantly being told that we're the problem, folks. You're not the problem. You're the solution. Back after this. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. You know, every every day there is something insane happening in the news. Literally every day. And as those True events take place. I often find the need to check in with a very specific source. It's not uh, the usual go-to uh, that you might think of, you know, oh, not the New York Times, the paper, a record, people like that. No, I actually like to check in when I hear some of the craziest things happening with the Babylon Bee. Now, don't laugh, or actually, they may be okay with you doing that, because that's their whole intention. They write satire, and they are deadly serious. And, and boy, does it sting sometimes. Isn't that what satire is supposed to do? And so, I thought to myself, you know, when I heard the story that they were being targeted by big tech... Social media censorship, I mean, it's just a matter of time. Why are they coming after the Babylon Bee? Because they're effective. And their chief, Seth Dillon, joins us now on the Glenn Beck program. Seth, thanks for being here with us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. So, so as I mentioned, I don't think I'm alone on this, but every time I hear something crazy happening in the news, which is every day, 
there's a headline, there's something that, that's a real story. I then got to go find out, okay, how did you guys cover it? Because that, in a lot of ways, it really does. It sort of shows me like, uh, okay, and, and this is how I this is how I feel. I think a lot of, uh, most of us, and I think that's why the popularity of the bee has risen so, uh, so sharply. is because people feel this way, and they relate to that humor. There's stinging truth in, in all of it. Yeah, well, it's a it's a rich environment right now for satire. That's that's for sure. In some ways, it does make the job harder, though, because satire's project is to exaggerate the truth to make its points. Um, and like you said, when we <laughs> yeah. wake up and we read the news every day, the news is so insane, so absurd. You know, it's hard to make it's hard to exaggerate things like reporters standing in front of burning buildings describing the situation as mostly peaceful. You know, like that kind uh. of stuff is. It's it's difficult to satirize, oh. so um, it, it makes the job challenging. But yeah, it's also it's also good to bring some levity and get people laughing and and uh, and, and you know, but also thinking about these things. How often though does it happen? Because I've seen this; it's almost like prophecy, the Babylon Bee prophecy now, where you know I say like you can't make this stuff up, but apparently you guys did, and you did it, it maybe a little bit in advance, and now here's <laughs> you know life imitating art right in front of our eyes. Well, yeah, that's the challenge. So, okay, the challenge is to stay a step ahead of reality, right? Um, because reality is, is moving at breakneck pace uh, towards insanity. Uh, we exaggerate it and, uh, to make our points and to make our jokes go through. And sometimes, literally within like minutes or hours, um, something that we've written that was satirical at the time we wrote it comes out in a real headline. So um, that's happening pretty frequently. It doesn't happen every day. But um, but usually every couple of weeks, there's something that we published uh, either very recently or even sometimes like one or two years ago that ends up coming true uh, and mark it down as a fulfilled prophecy, which is, you know, it's comical on the one hand, but it's also kind of depressing on the other. What is like if you think back to this, Seth Dillon is on with us now from uh, Babylon B. Uh, if you have to think back to maybe the first one that you remember, or maybe the one that makes the biggest impact on you, it was a story that you guys wrote or something that you put together, and then it, it, it just, you thought this was wild, maybe it'll never happen, but then there, there it was, real life. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a, there's a million examples. I mean, some recent ones, like even some lighthearted ones, like we made a joke uh, uh, back in the middle of the pandemic when things were bad last year uh, about how, um, you know, uh, there were increased sales of, of, of shirts, but not pants because everyone was working from home. And we showed a picture of a guy sitting there in his boxers. And then, uh, the very next day, Yahoo finance published a story about how Walmart was seeing increased sales of tops, but not bottoms, like almost oh, to, to a word, like exactly the headline that we had <laughs> joked about, uh, was actually true. Um, but there's other ones too, where, you know, it just shows that we're right on, we're right on with our with our criticism of you know the the mainstream or legacy media and how and how they you know they just try to distort things and cover things from their own narrative. We did a, we did a story on how <clears throat> um, President Trump during the Abra uh, Abraham Accords <clears throat> was ignoring COVID protocols, and that's what, well that was how CNN was going to cover it. Right, Trump ignores right. Uh, COVID protocols and, and shakes right. hands with with foreign leaders. Um, and then three hours later, CNN publishes a headline where that was uh, what they covered. It wasn't the, yeah. the monumental occasion that was happening on your screen. It was Trump disregards COVID protocols and and uh, and disregards distancing at the Abraham Accords. It's like that's not the story here. That's not the story. Um, but that kind of stuff happens 
all the time. I think maybe one of the most egregious was when we we made a joke about how Black Lives Matter had been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, and then it actually happened. Incredible uh, moments in the history of the Babylon Bee. And, uh, Seth, I just realized you guys had... uh, uh, just reached a, a big milestone on Twitter too. You now have a, a, a million followers. Followers there. Um, so you, the popularity growing by leaps and bounds. And I think it's because you're effective. Matter of fact, that's probably why you guys are under attack. What's the latest, and what have you found with big tech and censorship right now? Yeah, so that is a big milestone. A million followers on Twitter. We just recently had a million on Instagram too. Um, and a lot of people will point to that and say, what censorship? What are you talking about? Look, at you got a huge following. You know, you, people, are, people are following you in droves. But, but our success on those platforms is despite the fact that we're facing huge setbacks from, mm. you know, attacks from the media and suspensions. Like our Twitter page has been suspended. Our Facebook page has been, our posts have been pulled down, and we've been demonetized several times. We've been threatened with being deplatformed there. Um, MailChimp suspended us recently and then apologized and turned us back on. Um, but there's this there's been this like coordinated effort between big tech and the media in the last couple of years um, as as the crackdown on fake news was really happening. And they were trying to stop the spread of misinformation. You started seeing our posts getting fact checked all the time uh, and, and rated false. Um, and then and then we were getting threatened with being deplatformed if we continued sharing false information. And we had to you know defend ourselves and say this is not fake news. This is well, it is fake news, but it's not fake news intended to mislead. It's fake news intended to entertain. This is satire. Um, so we've been constantly in this battle to assert our right to be on these platforms. And the, the media, what's really interesting with the media is that they've been trying to generate this narrative where we're not really satire. We're pretending to be satire to just get around Facebook's rules against the spread of misinformation. So that's what, that's what happened with the New York Times recently, where they called us a far-right misinformation site that traffics in misinformation. Um, and that kind of stuff, you know, like uh, on the one hand, you know, we want to we want to joke about that and like and make fun of them for being, um, uh, you know, for for for, you know, misrepresenting us that way and, and, and trying to make people think that there's something malicious about our, our satire. But on the other hand, we got to take it really seriously, because next thing you know, we are going to get the boot from these social media platforms on the basis of lies like that. It's in fact, New York Times that's, that's spreading misinformation about us, not the other way around. So. Um, it's been an ongoing battle, but we've had some successes, and we continue to fight back, not taking any of it lined down. What do you make about this latest craziness about, uh, and I've been watching this over the last couple of days with Facebook, and these warnings about you may have come in contact with extremist content, and or you, in fact, may be ex- an extremist. It's almost mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, do, do you have an American flag flying outside of your house? Do you, do you, yeah. do you have a Bible? <laughs> Did you attend church yesterday? You may be an extremist. Right. What? What what do you make of it? I mean, it's so crazy that this is the world we live in. We're starting to see Facebook doing something like this is nuts. Yeah, it feels very Orwellian, doesn't it? Um, uh, and again, that's a rich, rich atmosphere for satire. We're, we're making plenty of jokes about this. I'm personally concerned because I have not been yet warned that I might be an extremist or have affiliation with extremists. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think I should have that warning on, on me. Uh, for, and and I'm, I'm a little concerned that Facebook doesn't think of me that way. Um, I, I think, look, honestly, it's a badge of honor when 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 these uh, when, when people like The New York Times are coming after us and trying to smear us. I would much rather have them doing that than praising us and saying that we're great. So um, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I think it means that we're on the right track, honestly. 
Um, but the stuff with big tech and putting out those warnings, I mean, it's very ominous, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, not, it's no laughing matter on, on one hand because they're basically looking for you to rat on your friends and your neighbors and, and expose them for being extremists. I made a joke about this. I said, you know, I'm concerned that some of my, uh, some of my, uh, some of my friends are, are pro-abortion, that they're okay with abortion. Does that count? Um, you know, it's, it's just it's amazing how views on one side of the political spectrum are considered extremism, but not on the other. Yeah, it's it, it really is something I, I mean, when you guys started this, was this all your always the plan or was there? I mean, what what was like what was the kind of the spark with the Babylon Bee? I mean, you probably had no idea you would be where you are today and could see this coming. No, but the guy, uh, Adam Ford is the founder of the Babylon Bee. He started it in 2016 and he did see that there was a absolutely huge opportunity to go into um to tap into this untapped market where people on the right were not, you know, the left has always been very good at satire, at mockery, at ridicule. Um, mm. You know, they've, they've always been great at, and I think a lot of the reason is because they don't have great arguments for their position. They, they, they resort to ridicule because, um, you know, that's how they think they're refuting you. Um, but, but the right has historically been much worse at that. And, and so there was a huge void there that, that the Babylon Bee filled. Um, so the site took off like crazy when it was first launched. I think that was, you know, credit to Adam for seeing that opportunity there and executing on it really well. I think the Babylon Bee was able to do um, conservative Christian humor that wasn't cheesy and that really connected with people. It was, you know, it was snarky and it was fun and it was biting and it, and it stung on both sides uh, and, and didn't really pull back, pull any punches on anybody. You know, um, Trump was one of our biggest targets during his presidency. So um, mm-hmm. I think that's part of the reason why the Bee has been so successful. So, uh, Seth Dellen with the uh, Babylon Bee right now, um, uh, just last kind of thing and before I let you go, is y- you guys, it must be a fun work environment, but you're finding yourself in some serious places, too. Um, you know, w- where do you see all of this going? Uh, you're so much, I don't know if it's if it's a prophetic thing or if it's, you know, I'm not asking you to get the crystal ball out or anything, but just, just because you're so close to it, maybe, where do you see us headed in uh and in, in what's resonating with people on your website and the things the content you guys produce and where we're headed as a country well i mean just for where we're headed i mean we're we're, we're going to continue to see a lot of these attacks you know we're seeing that the landscape evolve a little bit i think these attempts to label us as misinformation and shut us down and suppress our speech have failed um you know our victory against the new york times and getting to retract those statements is is, is evidence of that but now they're switching course and now they're, they're attacking from a different um, angle. And, and we have Facebook now saying that satire that is down is not allowed. That doesn't count as satire because it's hate speech disguised as satire. Um, mm. And now you've got, uh, you know, you've got media outlets like Slate writing articles days later after that policy is announced that, that the Babylon Bee has a nasty tendency to punch down. So I think that's the new line of attack. They're going to say that we're spreading hatred under the guise of satire instead of misinformation under the guise of satire. So there's going to be this ongoing battle where we're defending ourselves and our right to speak freely, our right to make these jokes that nobody on the left wants us to make because these are protected targets. I mean, this whole idea that we're punching down is just so insane. We are punching back and we're punching up at all these uh, this top-down tyranny from from the progressive left, you know, their ideas uh, that are being imposed on everyone from the biggest corporations, celebrities, politicians, it's all coming from high up. 
Um, and so when we push back on that and we fight back, they try to say that we're punching down. That's just absurd. And the idea that you can punch down anyway, that, you know, oh, don't make jokes about women. That's punching down. Why do you say that? Are women beneath me? Um, I don't think that. Hmm. So, you know, it's just uh, we're in a we're in a crazy environment right now where we're still defending ourselves against a lot of that nonsense. But as far as where this is all going, I try to stay optimistic and I hope the pendulum swings back the other way. Uh, Seth Dellen, thank you so much for being here with us. Good luck to you, man. And we appreciate it. Keep up. The great work at the Babylon Bee. Thanks so much. Appreciate you. The best of the Glenn Beck program. People are fighting back. They are standing up. I mean, even when it seems like all may be lost and uh, it's hopeless at times, there is some good news. You know, it's uh, one of the things I talk about. Um, in my book, Good News, that there are things happening in in the world, I think, that are worth celebrating. And we ought to do that more often. You're not going to hear it in the headlines and nightly news. You're not going to see it from the usual suspects. But when we see it, we ought to make sure that we share those things and we definitely tell those stories with each other and together. And there's one such video I wanted to share with you. This comes from a, a dad in Arizona who's gone to a school board meeting. First of all, I congratulate him for that. Parents, you've got to go to school board meetings. We've got to be engaged civically. We've got to be engaged in our kids in their education. If you're going to send them to public school, especially, we've got to be engaged in that process to let these people know that we're watching, that we're going to be a part of it, that we're actively participating. This man is speaking up, and it's also what he says from his perspective as a black man, a father, what he says about what they're teaching, the critical race theory, and the divisive things that they're teaching in schools. Take a listen. From Chandler. Thank you. Uh, I'm not part of any group. I just came here because my kids are 8, 10, and 12. And um, we, we start to experience things as far as um, Black History Month. Um, my kids would, be, would come home and they would be afraid. And I, I would always ask them what was going on. And then I start realizing that they were teaching stuff. They taught my kids about slavery and then civil rights and nothing in between. And now you got C, CRT. And I ask you guys not to burden my kids with something that's going to hold them back. 30 seconds. Um, I don't really give them, teach them all the history because I want them to soar as big as they can be without the burden of someone saying, well, you're oppressed or uh, I'm being nice to you is why you're succeeding. I want my kids to just thrive and continue to be kids and grow as much as they possibly can. So I ask you guys, um, just take a look at what you're doing and what, what's the future going to hold for the kids that's experiencing all this right now. So that's pretty much all I have to say. The father making a plea at a school board meeting. It may not seem like he's doing anything you know, too grand. It may not seem like he's he is uh, wielding a sword and and uh, and uh, just completed a, a a a battle and and come out victoriously. But I I I applaud that man because he's done what a, a lot of folks more and more are doing every day, and we ought to consider doing ourselves. Whether you got kids or not, if you're a taxpayer, you live in a 
the area that you live in, you know, you're, a lot of times your home values are even tied to the schools. Like where we live, we, it's a great school system. Their home values are tied to that. You're paying taxes on it, etc. So you ought to have some input. Especially in that system. Another place where they're seeing right now critical race theory and divisiveness sort of rearing its ugly head is a place that is very concerning. In fact, that's the military. Joining us to talk a little bit about that, uh, author Adam Davis, good friend of mine. He's written several books, multiple on on, on, uh, different topics, but they all really revolve around the same theme. He's a retired police officer, uh, supporting those folks who go out and serve for us, whether it's uh, in the uh, line of duty on the, the, the call uh, uh, here on our streets or in battlefields uh, all throughout the world. Uh, Adam, appreciate you being here with us today. How are you? Justin, always an honor to speak with you, my friend, and uh, doing well, doing well here in South Alabama, down in Dothan, Alabama, and wonderful to uh, to be able to speak with you again on such an important matter. So the, recently the military is is now going through this woke process and it's it's something that a lot of folks as we're watching it very concerning because you think about this and you think wow if if the if this falls i mean some of the 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 real last havens in in uh, in in government and service and is our military you've got patriots there that that are conservative that are traditional Uh, they might call them extremists now but i think the the real extremists are the ones who are or the Marxists who are trying to drive a wedge and drive this ideology into places that it doesn't belong, like the military. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing you have to realize, and I think we are uh, more and more people are realizing it now, is that for the true extremists, which are the liberal, the woke crowd, if you want to, whatever you want to label them as, the ones that want to destroy the very foundation, the fundamental truths of our nation there is nothing sacred to them not our constitution not our way of life not our not the the military the church the school system they want to attack the very core of who we are and uh there's no place for such divisive teaching in the military uh like you know law enforcement you have to move as one you have to be united and uh they want to divide every facet of america so that they can conquer america with their socialist and Marxist ideas where they're communist propaganda. They want to destroy America and turn it into what they want. They want to make you a slave to their rule. That's what they want. And this is just part of their strategy. And it has and to you're be stopped s- immediately. It's, it's happening in the military. You're also seeing it in uh, with the uh, police officers. And I know you serve, uh, you served as a police officer, but now you serve police officers and you serve uh, first responders uh, and and folks in the military as well. As an author, you you write books. A lot of times, devotionals. These are these are things that are that are directly serving the souls of these of these folks um, who who probably need it um, more than any of us these days. Uh, they, they're constantly under attack. But you see, in the same the same thing that we're seeing now in the military, been happening with police. Um, and police departments all across the country, all across the country heard last year about defunding the police and how we're starting to yeah. see even some of those places where they, they tried that. It didn't, it didn't work too well. And of course they're having the backtrack on that, but it can't be easy to serve in the line of duty these days. 
No, well, you know, the fact is that they want to erase truth and they want to redefine truth, but you can't redefine what the truth is. And we have to go back to the basics of who we are as a country. Um, yes, you can believe differently. You, in fact, you can speak things that, that are against what I believe, but that's the beauty of America is that you can you can have a different belief and without being persecuted but the people who are behind this critical race theory and behind defund the police and all these divisive movements they don't believe the same way they want to silence and censor the people who speak the truth they want to silence the conservative movement and label us extremists and the only way that we can see america grow and continue to be a country uh, a land of liberty and freedom is where we all have the freedom and liberty to speak and speak truth and silence those who want to divide America. Hmm. Well, you know, we've talked about this uh, earlier today, but why do you, why, why are they trying to divide and not just each of us? And I don't, yeah. by the way, I don't think it's working. I don't think Americans are as no. divided as they want us to believe, but why, That's right. That's why right. is that their goal? Why, why are they trying to do this? You can't defeat a united front. It, it doesn't matter if there's three people or 30 million or 300 million. If, if an enemy of one billion comes against 300 million, uh, but that 300 million is united and arms locked shoulder to shoulder, that's why military and law enforcement operations are so successful. They move as one, they're united. They have one mission. They move as one body. Uh, you, you think about marriages, marriages that are uh, where the couples are on different terms where they're on different pages where they're not united they face conflict they fall apart if they're united as one in every aspect they're more successful in everything unity is the beautiful joy it is it is truly the greatest thing of all when you're looking at a country when you're looking at a family when you're looking at a business you need to be united an opponent cannot come from the outside and take down a united front no matter how many number how many how much they're outnumbered so you see the you see foreign uh, interference. You see foreign uh, adversaries. They love the division that they see coming from the media in the United States because they see us as an easy target. It is all an attack to divide America, to to further their propaganda, uh, to take down Christian ideals, uh, to take down the Christian fundam uh, fundamentals, the foundation of who we are. Uh, to redefine, to uh, fundamentally reshape America, they want to further the communist propaganda, the Marxist movement. They want to, they want everything to go their way, or it's not the right way at all. This isn't about liberty and freedom for them. This is about uh, taking over and conquering America. Adam Davis, uh, author of several books. By the way, we'll we'll tell you about those coming up in a second. But what, as you're serving those who are in service to others, what are you hearing from whether it's military or? police or what are you hearing what they're facing some of the issues they're facing on a daily basis you know law enforcement one of the biggest things is you see uh these just absolute idiots calling for defunding police and that's that's all you can label it because they think that they're hurting police and they are but the people that are hurting are themselves so defund the police that's the one of the biggest things but you know what the beauty of it all is through all of this you don't hear about this on the news and i, I know you talk about this we don't hear the good news. You don't hear that over 70% of Americans trust and support law enforcement. You don't hear mm -hmm. the good things that are happening and the people who let them know they appreciate them and support them. So out of all of these cries that get media attention for defund the police, 
the vast majority of Americans support and love law enforcement, support first responders, and love the military. And we got to get back to where we highlight that more than we highlight the idiots. Take the microphone away from the people who hate America and give it to the ones who love our country. You know, it's an interesting stat. You just said over 70% support the police, yeah. uh, 70% of Americans. So we just had that, that study. And in, in fact, it's in my book, uh, Good News, that the U.S. ranks last among 46 countries in trust and media. Reuters reporting and that, that that trust level is is down the lowest uh, of all the countries, but down the lowest it's been uh, ever in the history. And I think when you compare those two numbers, uh, wow, it's it's easy to see who Americans trust and, and why and, and probably because of their track record and, and who they are. I mean, we, we can be a, a judge of that fairly easily. Adam Davis, you can, uh, people can go grab your book today if they'd like to. What, let, you've got a couple though. So, so quickly, uh, let's, let's run through them. Theadamdavis.com is the website, but you've got a couple of different books because I know we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of September 11th, and I know Americans haven't forgotten. I've seen the way we celebrated over this weekend. You may want to give a, a copy to uh, someone that, that you know, that you love, that's serving, whether it's a police, fire, uh, some sort of EMT or a frontliner or somebody who is uh, in the military. What what would you recommend? You know what? For for first, well, specifically law enforcement, we've got Behind the Badge, which is by far the best-selling book I have out. Behind the Badge is 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement. And we have one for military and first responders on spiritual combat, a co-authored with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Uh, it is the absolute essential uh, handbook that you need to understand the source of everything you see going on in the world today. And then the latest book I co-authored with a force recon Marine named Chad Robichaux called Behind the Lines. It's 365 daily challenges for military personnel. Uh, but we also have Bulletproof Marriage, 90-day devotion for military and first responder married couples. I co-authored that with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Of course, you can find all this on my website, theadamdavis.com, and would always love to hear from your listeners and connect with them in the future. Uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate your work, and uh, thank you for serving those who are uh, her serving others. Adam Davis. Oh, absolutely. Uh, God bless. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. You too, You brother. got it. Oh.